The following content has been provided by RWTH Aachen University. Now, um, the first is the graphics and event library that we want to uh, talk about, and it uh, is you know shortened often to like GEL. So what this thing does is basically two things. It's called graphics and event library, and that kind of gives it away. It takes care of the graphics on the output side. So um, it takes graphics objects and actions that are coming in from the higher layers and basically translates those into stuff to be actually rendered onto the graphics hardware. You could say you're mapping logical coordinates, like you know, the pixel, whatever, 150, 250, to an actual memory address you know, on the display that you need to write this to. Um, on the input side, it does the opposite thing. It takes stuff that's coming in from device drivers, like your mouse, your keyboard, etc., and um, takes those device-dependent uh, driver data package, uh, packets and puts them into a canonical format. Canonical simply means it's one uniform, same format for all the different uh, devices that you've got connected, so that the operating system and the Windows system above those, uh, above the GEL, only needs to deal with one format and always knows what, what's stored where. So in a way, you could say if you look closely into the graphics event library itself, you could split it into two layers also. You could say it has two parts, you know, two columns, if you like, input and output, and it has two layers, a more concrete technical layer and a more abstract layer towards the top. And um, we can see that the device-dependent sublayers, you know, this layer that's, that's sort of down here, can, you know, this one can focus on what specific graphics hardware, what specific device drivers are being registered um, and be optimized for that. Whereas you then towards the, the top of the GL, when, it, when the stuff it exposes to the layers above is sort of canonical and is standardized. So it's usually device independent. And this is already the typical concept of a virtual machine, right? You've got stuff that you're doing on a specific hardware, but you don't want people above you sort of have to worry about that, so you just provide a standard layer. We do this in all the time in computer science. Right? Um, <clears throat> so what's happening here is that on the one hand, the GEL is receiving these objects from the higher layers, translating them, drawing them onto the graphics hardware, and on the other hand, it gets events from the devices and puts them into canonical, uh, canonicalized formats and um, puts those into event queues. Those are still um, event queues, you know, one event queue per, devi per device, but they all look the same in terms of the formatting. Now, one of the major things that you will find will differ about the GEL that you encounter in an actual system is the way that it uh, renders stuff. There are two basic ways that you can sort of deal with graphical information. You've probably encountered both when you've been programming and, and drawing on the screen in, in, in some kind of application. Anybody got an idea what, what kind of basic two um, conceptual models you could have there for drawing? Yeah? Pixel and vector-based, exactly. So with pixel-based, you're basically saying, okay, we call this also the raster op model because it's, a, it's, it's one that consists of operations on a, on a raster of pixels. Um, you say, all right, I want to set this pixel at this location to this color. Uh, this is the original graphics model that was used um, you know, in the early uh, GUI-based systems. 
Um, if you look at the Alto, the Star, those kinds of systems all um, used that model. And in fact, it continued on for quite a while um, with the early Windows systems that were commercially available and, and successful. Um, it's very well suited to um, bitmap displays. Let's say you have a very, very simple screen, just black and white, you know, not even color or grayscale. It's super easy to put an image into memory. Right? You just say every bit in, in, in your main memory where you're storing this stuff corresponds to one pixel. You're done. Right? Super easy to handle. And you can imagine the moment you, you use that simple model, it's also super easy to define operations. Like if you want to just erase the screen, oh, you just wipe out the memory. Right? If you want to put a pattern on the screen, you just put ones, ones and zeros in, uh, into, your, into the bytes that represent the video memory. So it's a very nice model for, for simple algorithms to work really well to move stuff around, to, to copy stuff. In fact, um, there is a, um, a, a, a technique called um, you know, fast block transfer, um, you know, back from, away from the, the sort of assembler days. Bit block transfer, or bit blit, um, was a typical way of, of copying stuff onto the screen or moving it around. You just take a bunch of memory, and you copy it somewhere else. And if you do that in video memory, then you're actually moving things around on the screen. So it's all fairly straightforward. Uh, and would probably be the way that you would implement it too if you had to like, you know, whip out a, a graphics engine very, very quickly. The coordinate system is then, of course, an absolute integers, right? So one integer, like 15250, is exactly that one pixel you know, this far down the, uh, the screen and this far up. Um, and that's a very easy model to, to, to think about, but it, of course, also limits you in a certain way. What's the, what's the challenge of having a, a pixel-based um, coordinate system you know, with these absolute integer coordinates? What kind of problem does that create? Yeah? Yeah, you have a fixed resolution at your uh, monitor, so you cannot uh, change the resolution at different um, uh, <laughs> yeah, devices. devices. Yeah, yeah. So th that's exactly what, what, what the problem is. Um, you know, when the original Mac came out, I think it had like a, I don't know, 380 by 240 or some, something resolution, you know, 360 by 240, something like that. Very, very low. And um, that was great. That worked really well. Every pixel, you know, was, was this part. So now, you know, they introduced a larger monitor, which wasn't just physically giving you larger pixels because that's kind of useless. Uh, it actually also added pixels, right, in each way. So you now had maybe the same DPI, the same dots per inch, but you had twice as many pixels in each direction. So now all that software that had been written to put stuff onto these individual pixel zones was drawing stuff essentially in the lower left-hand corner, right, because that's where all the, uh, you know, the original pixels were. So you know what, we're making use of the rest. So you had to scale things up, but if you scale things up, then you're wasting that extra resolution that you got because you're just making everything twice as big and it gets, gets chunky. Uh, this is very noticeable with fonts, right? If you have a bitmapped font that is actually made of single tiny pixels, the moment you blow this up, it becomes really ugly. So uh, we were trying to visualize this with this um, beautiful hand-drawn picture here of you know, the top left corner of a Mac window um, you know, from, from you know, seeing these icons here being actually composed of individual pixels. Now, uh, don't get me wrong. At some point, 
they all become pixels, right? Ultimately, what you're rendering on today's screens is, of course, pixel data, right? These things, the LCD screens that you're using, consist of individual pixels. Um, so it does get broken down to that level. The question is, does the graphics event library hide that fact from you and give you a vector-based model in which you can draw in sort of mathematical coordinates, resolution independent, or does it pass that sort of physical resolution on to you at the next level, at the base window system level? Um, so we can briefly look at the uh, alternative here, which means that what the GEL is giving the other layers on top of it is a vector-based model. So it says, I have a screen and its resolution is, you know, is a mathematical number. So it's like, I don't know, maybe one unit by one unit or 1.5 units by one unit if you want to use the aspect, aspect ratio already. And so all you're drawing in is, you know, in, in units, you could say it's centimeters or inches or whatever. Um, you never have to worry about how many pixels is that actually? You just say, I want a line of this length, and if it's done well, then the um, GEL knows the physical size of the screen through the data that the device that's connected provides it, and it can actually tell you, if you want to draw a line that's a centimeter wide, um, I know how to do that on this screen because I know it's physical dimensions, I know it's pixel resolution, so I can do exactly the right thing for you. At that point, uh, you're not drawing on you know, specific device pixels, but you're actually thinking in mathematical measurements. Um, and the beauty, of course, of that is if I want to draw a, um, a line, I just tell it, draw, draw a diagonal line from here to there. And um, on a low-resolution screen, it will have, you know, look a little more pixelated. On a high-resolution screen, the same program will give you a beautiful line, so you know, more high-resolution. So all these things... Um, give you the best possible resolution at different, um, or best possible uh, picture at different resolutions. The original system that implemented that solution was called um, Display Postscript. Now, um, that, that's a quick aside here. Has anybody ever seen Postscript code? Actually sort of looked at a file, opened up a file that's stored as Postscript? No, no, anybody? Buller? No? Um, so when you do that, uh, you, what you can do is you can um, open up a PDF. PDF is, you've probably seen PDF or heard about it. Um, if you open up a file in PDF, it's just gibberish, right? You can't read it. It's a binary format. It's not human readable. Um, but if you open up a PDF, and um, on most systems, you will be able to save this as an EPS file. EPS stands for encapsulated postscript. If you do that, what you'll get is actually a human-readable text file because you know, PostScript is actually human-readable text. It's sort of like source code, if you like. And if you look at it, you'll actually see that it contains commands to draw stuff. And those commands are written in a PostScript syntax. So they basically give you first the arguments to a command and then the command itself. So I don't know, like drawing a line will be like 0, 0, 100, 150 line. So in that order, you'll actually see literally the commands in that, in that file. Um, this language was originally developed for printers. Um, when you print to any printer today, um, like laser printers mostly, uh, you'll be printing essentially, you know, it, will, it will use a postscript-like representation of what you're doing to render stuff. The beautiful thing of this is 
The printer, of course, has a much higher resolution than what, what your computer screen has, usually. Um, and it, you don't have to tell it every single pixel that it's supposed to render. You just tell it, I want that line from here to there, and it will do its best job at that high resolution that the printer provides. And uh, that's why PostScript was invented, basically, to describe what you draw on a page in a mathematical form without having to worry about pixels. Um, Adobe came up with it, as you, as you may know. And um, Display PostScript was then taking that idea from printer technology and putting it onto the screen. Because the guys at, at, uh, uh, that were, whoa, 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 oops. <laughs> Don't put the remote into your pocket. It's uh, not a good idea. There we go. Um, the guys who were um, inventing the, um, the new window system that was supposed to use this said, hey, if we can do this on printers, why don't we draw using PostScript commands on the screen? And our graphics event library is actually a PostScript interpreter that gets these commands and then draws the stuff at the best possible resolution. Um, this was, of course, really nice. You, know, you could basically draw the exact same, you could send the exact same commands to the screen, drawing something on a, on a screen, and then send the exact same commands to the printer. And both things would come out at the best possible resolution for each device. Um, this also included things like arbitrary clipping regions. You know, no longer were you limited to basically doing rectangular um, uh, clipping on a, on a window, for example, uh, but you could do it arbitrarily because PostScript allows you to define paths along which something is rendered. And um, that's also why it's known as the stencil paint model. A stencil is basically a cutout of an arbitrary shape against which you, which you paint. And we tried to visualize this here by giving you, you know, this is sort of what you would get if you render on a vector model, you would get the best possible resolution um, and not see individual um, pixels, unless, of course, your resolution of your device is very low. And this, of course, we're now talking about a problem that these people were originally facing in like the, the, the 70s and 80s, but it's the exact same story today, right? You know, you write an app for your iPhone and then, you know, Apple comes out with the retina display, all of a sudden you've got twice as many pixels and now you need to think about, oh my god, now I need to rethink my whole user interface. And if you used absolute coordinates in your user interface, then you know, you're kind of screwed because then you, all you can do is blow it up and it looks ugly on the new displays, and so on and so on. And you get a different you know, screen size or screen uh, layout. Think about all the Android devices that all have different sort of screen resolutions and physical dimensions. Um, it's quite difficult to design well for these systems if, you are, if you're tied down to individual pixels, if you're thinking in pixels. Now, each of these layers that we're looking at, the graphics event library, the base window system, and so on and so on, uh, we'll look at two things. Um, one is what kind of objects exist on that level. So what kind of data structures can you expect? What do you need for this level to do its job? And then the other thing we'll look at is, well, if you've got these objects, these, these data structures, what kind of API calls would typically be there? Now, I'm not going to bore you with like the exact calls in any particular window system, but we're going to look at what typical things, what kind of operations would have to be around. We often also call these, these data structures, these objects, uh, resources. We say, you know, any of these layers provides certain resources that the layers above can access and, and manipulate and, you know, create, delete, whatever, copy, uh, share, using these, these API calls. So we'll look at these objects and the actions. This content was provided by RWTH, Aachen University.